Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 23 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'm really excited to be picking the brain of Nathan Lutka. Nathan is the founder of Heyo, a company that has helped thousands of businesses get more leads through smart social media campaigns and was recently acquired by one of its competitors. Nathan is the host of one of the most successful business podcasts called The Top, where he has interviewed highly successful entrepreneurs ranging from small startups to billionaires. He has been featured on major media platforms including Forbes, Inc., Inside Facebook, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, amongst many others. He is also a highly engaging public speaker, a social media beast, and he claims to run on nuclear power. Nathan, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Thank you, Daniel. It is always nuclear power, only nuclear power. That's the only mode I have, so I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here, too. What the hell do you mean by nuclear power? (laughs) (laughs) It just comes down, honestly, it comes down to very little things that related to managing your energy so you can just be super productive and still get eight hours of sleep. Eight hours. Oh, so you do get full eight hours of sleep. Oh, totally. And then I'm a beast when I'm awake. I mean, I I am probably, when you look at all 26-year-olds across the globe and you look at productivity and output, I would say I'm probably maybe, maybe, look, people tell me I'm really productive, maybe top 10%, top 1%. It's just... Loving, loving the energy. Very cool. Before we get into the episode, I just want to say, by the way, to my listeners that Nathan's podcast is one of the only other podcasts I listen to, of course, including my own. But unlike Nathan, who likes to get straight to the numbers, <laughs> I, like, I like to get to know my guests a little bit more. So Nathan, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what it was like growing up? Yeah, Daniel, you're nicer than me. You know, I, I'm like, I got to <laughs> keep this thing short. So I'm like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. How much revenue did you do last month? And how- <laughs> I'd do it. <laughs> How many kids do you have? How old are you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So a little bit more, uh, Daniel, about my story. So I, uh, in short, when I was 19, I enrolled at uh, the number one architecture school in the country here in the States, uh, which was Virginia Tech, and quickly overheard, you know, they mix the classes at, in the studio. So you sit next to a fifth year architecture student. And I overheard them one day talking about how they couldn't get a job. Remember, this was in 08 and 09 during the financial crash. Nobody was hiring anybody, right? Yeah, I remember it clearly. Yeah, so I went back home to my dorm room that night and said, oh my gosh, I've got to figure out a way to sell so I'm independent. I don't want to go through five years of college and then I'll have a guaranteed job. And Mm -hmm. so what I did is I started selling a $700 custom fan page tabs. And over six months from my little, you know, white cinder block, 12 foot by 10 foot dorm room, you know, wearing boxers (laughs) half the time under my bunk bed right next to my desk. I just sold about a hundred of those at 700 bucks a pop. So I filled up my PayPal. We had about 73 grand in PayPal. Wow. And uh, I had no, here's the kicker though. I had no idea how to deliver the fan page tabs that everybody just bought because I didn't know how to code. So kidding me. Yeah. So I just started refunding everybody uh, because I was that lazy. And eventually I said, okay, Nathan, come on, man. And I taught myself something called FBML. Facebook markup language and uh, started delivering the products. And long story short, that was back again when I was about 19, 20 years old. I just turned, I'm now here 26 in 2016. Uh, we built the business to over 25 employees, 10,000 monthly paying customers, 5 million revenue, and we raised 2.5 million in venture capital from a Forbes billionaire and just recently sold that in February 2016 to our number one competitor. And that's Nathan Lutka. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's a great show. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, I mentioned that I've been listening to your podcast, and I've also seen some of your public speeches that you've why, given. Why do you listen in, by the way? I'm always curious. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, I love the. It? I love. I love the fast pace. I tell you like this, like I went for a jog one day and I was like going through some of the podcasts that I usually listen to and I was like, how the flip can I jog? I, I was going to, you know, F-U-C-K, but I don't want to get like rated on <laughs> iTunes. So, yeah, how the hell do you, do, do you run to this? It's like, hello, George, how are you? What's your, I'm freaking, I want to jog. And then I put your podcast and I was like, yeah, how much are you going to, come on, how much are you going to, that's like, now I can run. That is, ex- yeah. that's exactly, you know, those interviews, man, I don't know if you've heard one of the heated ones, but sometimes, dude, they get really, I mean, you talk about blood flowing, holy mackerel, when people, <laughs> when people don't give me numbers and I go for the jugular, I mean, it gets an all out war. That's right. You recently interviewed someone about a prop, um, uh, what, real estate, and and it went into a whole like debate as uh, to why. I'll tell you, right? That uh, was, that was it's cool. one of these guys. You know, he puts millionaire on his homepage on his website, and then I have him on my show, and he doesn't tell me any numbers. I'm like, this, you know, we people <laughs> have to like. There's just there's too many fakers out there. That's the point. You have to know your numbers. That was episode I think 130, which you can link to if you would like, Daniel. It's NathanLacka.com forward slash the top 130. But he just didn't know his numbers. What am I supposed to do? I have to hit him hard. Right. I mean, you basically just get them naked. You're yep. like, hey, how much? How much? What was your turnover? How much profit? How, how did you sell your? How much did you sell your company for? How did you get away? With, like, how do you get away with asking such personal questions like that? Well, it's it's. First off, I don't know a lot of these people that I have on, right? Like mm. I, I read about them for like five minutes and then I come on. I'm like, I am <laughs> I love it. what's your revenue, right? <laughs> and like either like one of two things happens. They either get really nervous, but they still tell me the numbers, which is fine. They clam up and they don't say anything, which then I attack. Or they're just right. super transparent and say everything because they, they it's like an ego thing. What will happen right. though is I will use like part of like when you're interviewing someone on a podcast, they feel pressure. Right. Because you can say, hey, this show's been downloaded a million times. If you don't give me your revenue numbers, my audience, you know, Daniel, they're going to mm. they're going to attack you on Twitter. You really should tell me your revenue numbers. What's oh, the number? Man. It's emotional blackmail. It, it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but listen, it benefits everybody. We can't have people faking it. And God forbid if people study someone or buy or buy courses from somebody who calls themselves a millionaire and they're not doing jack. OK. OK. So, Nathan, you ready for this? Yeah. Hit me. How much did you sell Halo for? Oh, I knew that was, this always happens. Right? Oh, no, I'll give it. No, I'll play. I'll play. I signed up. I, I have to play. So the first off, I recorded the whole acquisition process. So the whole call with the buyer and him nego- and us negotiating, I recorded and published the whole thing on my podcast, starting on episode. I want to say it was 191. So NathanLacka.com forward slash sold is the link to listen to those. But Daniel, what we ended up selling for the actual price, I can't check, which is NDA, but I'll share it with you the multiple. So we we sold for an 11x top line annual revenue. Okay, what was your annual? Well, revenue? of course that's the next question, but obviously I uh-huh, can't let you back uh-huh. into it. Oh come on, Nathan. <laughs> Yeah. Come on. I mean, you, you should play the game. You should, you should, you know, you, you know, typically like I, for example, had Tim Draper on, right? He, he right. was, do you know Tim? I don't know him personally, but I saw that you had him on. Yeah. So like him, for example, so he's the most successful venture capitalist, most powerful, most influential in, in California. He's easily a billionaire. He's raised over $10 billion in his funds. He started, you know, I started asking him questions where he was like, Nathan, Dude, like, I just can't. I'm, I, I will actually, the U.S. government will sue me. <laughs> the okay? U.S. government. The SEC is going to come after me if I tell you these numbers you're asking. I can't. I'm like, are you sure? Come on, Tim, tell me. Tell. Right. And he wouldn't give it to me, which I understood. But yeah, I, I just, my, the point of the show is there are so many fakers online. You have to be as transparent as possible. And that's what I try and right. do. Right. 
Now, as I mentioned before, going back to what I said about, you know, watching some of your public speeches as well. The one thing I can definitely say about you is you are one very confident guy. And we live in a world where people are scared to get up in public and expose themselves and people are scared that they'll fail. Where would you say your confidence comes from? Well, I just don't believe that humans are going to last very long, to be honest with you. I just think, you know, (laughs) robots are going to be moving in like. Look, you li- life is too short to care about what anybody else thinks. That's li- that's how I approach it, right? So okay. the, the way, first off, the way that I get conf- like just loads of confidence is I just know. I mean, I've now proven to myself many times at 26 years old when nobody else believes in me, my back is against the wall. I will always find a way to win and surprise everybody. Always, hundred percent. Right, but what, where does that come from? Because I'll be honest with you. You are so driven that it has to come from. There's something happened early on in your life that you just felt pissed off at the world and you need to prove yourself well no but i like that what you just articulated if i can make myself feel that way i know my likelihood of success is way higher so i brainwashed i I brainwashed myself many times to convince (laughs) you you know nathan the world hates you nobody believes in you everybody hates you you know what then that get i know that those like pills if i take them that's what's going to get me to just win and win big. So I will convince myself of those things to make me think that the world's against me. And again, that's, that's just how I'm, that's how I motivate myself. And it's, so it's very easy to brainwash myself thinking nobody likes me, everybody hates me, and then go big. It makes it even better <laughs> if people really actually don't like me, right? That makes it wow. actually even, even easier. So I just, you know, I care very little about what other people think. I know I will be okay. And you know, when you see me on YouTube, speaking to these massive sold-out crowds. Mm. I mean, stand, yeah. standing in the back, there's lines out the door, they're sold out. The reason right. that the reason I have so much confidence in those, you never see this when they're recorded, but I'll mm-hmm. spend several hours before I'm going live talking to you know dozens or hundreds of people in the audience, re- memorizing their names and understanding really? what they want. Yep. And then I know if I go on stage and I don't think about how the audience is viewing me, but rather how much can I give the audience, right? in the hour that I have, mm-hmm. the latter form of thinking will give you an unremarkable amount of confidence because you don't care about what the audience is perceiving you as. You just care about how much value you're giving them. Right. But do you ever second guess yourself? Because you always sound very sure of yourself. No, I never second guess myself. Even in, even in your head. I'm not talking about what you say. Nope. Even in your head. Never. Ever. Really? Nope. You go, you, you commit, you go for it. And look, when I decide I want to go for, but the reason I don't second guess myself, so really busy people that have full calendars, they mm-hmm. commit to a lot of stuff. So let's call this commitment velocity, right? Busy, okay. broke people have very high commitment velocity. <laughs> busy, broke Yeah, let's just call it what it is, right? <laughs> okay. Rich people, wealthy people, let's look at Warren Buffett. Warren's calendar is blank. You know, a, really? a billionaire's calendar is blank. If you know, you know you're getting wealthier when your calendar gets blanker, okay? Because what Warren <laughs> understands is that the wealthiest people, the reason they're wealthy is that they act on real-time information faster than anybody else, right? So for Warren, it might be at the Heinz deal where he bought ketchup, right? So the only way that Warren can act faster than anybody else is he has no other commitments that day, right? So he has cleared his schedule specifically so he can react faster. And then the second piece of making sure you're making the right decisions in the moment is you have and you have studied. So you have a collection of data information that you have read and studied over years and years and years, which helps you get better at making big time in the moment decisions. So, so, you know, that's right now what I'm actually optimizing my life for is I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, but I have very little commitments on my calendar so I can take advantage of real time events and make a lot of money and be very successful. So I don't, I never, I never doubt my decisions because I know I've prepared myself. 
What are you reading right now out of interest? Right. Just finished yesterday reading a book called The Greatest Business Decisions of All Time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. by Vern Harnish. And it's really good. I like it because it's a series of basically it's a series of short stories that are like 10 pages each about mm-hmm. different big business decisions through life. The, the book I read before that, which your audience might like, was actually one called Bad Boy. And was, Bad Boy. Yeah. And it was about it's this. This book is actually about Donald Trump's dead mentor. His name is Lee Atwater. Lee basically invented negative politics. He was a psychopath. Him, you know, if you, <laughs> if you go Lee and Donald Trump on Google, you'll see pictures of them together. But Lee, right. Lee died in 1981. But Donald Trump and everything Trump is doing, if you go read this book, which is published back in like 1979, you'll mm-hmm. see things published in the book that Donald Trump is now using almost verbatim uh, because these guys were friends. So it's, it was fascinating to get in the mind of, of Lee Atwater. Speaking about badass, you have a tattoo on your butt um, <laughs> that says that says hesitation is the enemy of hustle. When did you get that? I mean, first of all, more importantly, why would you put it in a place that you can't see? <laughs> so you, you, <laughs> mu- you must have heard me when I was maybe tipsy on a podcast <laughs> joke about a potential tattoo on my ass. Oh, okay. Nathan, I dig fact, deep, man. There is no tattoo. There is no tattoo. What? But I do believe it. I do believe it. You lied about a tattoo on your ass? I can't believe Come it. Come on. Uh, why, would I, why would that be true? No, I don't have a tattoo on my butt. <laughs> I do believe that, though. I think a lot of people, they're, they're you know, bored and unhappy because they, they wait to do anything. So I like to just always remind myself, hesitation is the enemy of hustle. Right. So like what you said before, you don't second guess yourself because you don't really give yourself time to second guess yourself. You just go for it. You make a decision and you just go for it. Well, well yeah, but the only way I can do this, because look, again, successful people, they analyze more choices before committing to a decision. Busy people, they say yes to everything that hits their inbox. That's why they're busy and they're full. Right. So saying no to more things as well. Exactly. Very cool. What are some of the things that you've said no to recently that's really helped you be more productive? Well, there are many, many, many people that are wanting me to go keynote at their events all over the world, and they're saying, Nathan, it's a sold-out crowd, a 1,000 people, dot, dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. But I can just pull up Facebook Live here in my bedroom, go live, and have 10,000 people watching, right? You know, no travel, no time, you know, no, no energy loss, no nothing. So I'm turning down a lot of speaking. Uh, well, I'm so glad you didn't say no to my to coming onto my podcast show. Well, <laughs> well, I will tell you. So I, I have I strategically de- decided when I launched my podcast that for 12 months I would say yes to almost anybody that asked me to come on their show. And the reason is because the podcast ecosystem is an ecosystem. There's a finite amount of people that have and listen to podcasts daily, and so the mm-hmm. fastest way to reach new listeners is to go on other people's shows. Very cool strategy. But now you've taken away the flattery that I had because I thought, oh, I'm so special because you said yes to my podcast. Well, you are special. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm turning down a bunch of other, you know, very successful conference organizers and very, you know, a bunch of other people. So do you find that your high level of confidence can cause people to think that you're extremely arrogant? Oh, all the time. I love attacking those people. It's fantastic. (laughs) You know, they go, you're arrogant. Look, it, it makes people uncomfortable. I get it. Like, look, for people who aren't confident, of course, my confidence is going to make them feel a little uneasy, you know, but look, it's an asset and it's a weakness, right? So I'm very intentional about putting myself around people that can pull that asset back when needed. For example, my head of operations at Heyo was a Mormon pastor. Okay. So you think he kept my ego in check when it needed to be put in check? Absolutely. Right. So that being said, this podcast will get listened to your audience right now. They're either cringing because they hate me or they're jumping Uh up and down because they love me. Right. Right. <laughs> There's nobody in the middle. I guarantee you we're 16 minutes in. Everybody has an opinion about me up to date. There are right. many times. And this is, this is so sad where people listen to podcasts or listen to public speaker and they have no opinion at all. 
that's where you die. So people have to love you or hate you, and people either love my ego or hate my ego, but look, it's an asset. I've had a lot of success at 26. I mean, Donald Trump's a great example of that. Like, everyone's talking about the guy, whether it's great or whether it's bad. No one's kind of like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's an okay guy. No one's sitting there. That's right. So That's right. And how, look, look at a guy like Howard Stern. Okay, Howard Stern is rich because his haters pay more money than the people that love him. How do they do that? Well, because he, so he has a radio show. Right. And he got, a, you know, he signed a five hundred million dollar deal on syndicated radio. But he, when you listen to the people that call into his show, it, it's people that hate him. Right. They hate him. You know, hey, guess what? Just because someone hates you doesn't mean they're not going to listen in every day. Right. And, and, if you're, and if you're selling sponsorships, right, based off how many listens a show gets, guess what? You want just as many. Haters. Money. Exactly. Right. You know, you make more money from haters. Your mom came on one of your podcasts oh, to share. <laughs> oh, we're going, we're oh, going there so to share embarrassing baby stories and also the things that she did to help you think big. Yeah. Now, I'm going to spare you and not ask you to share your baby stories, but <laughs> I will ask you to share with our listeners some of the things that your mom did to help you think big. Yeah, there, there was, there was one thing that I remember so, so much, and it was very, very simple. Uh, this will be perfect for parents listening who are trying to raise entrepreneurs, right? I have three. I have three children. Oh, how yeah. old are they? Well, my oldest is eight. He's a boy, and then I've got a six-year-old boy. He's a menace, <laughs> and then a little three-year-old girl. Okay. So I definitely need to be hearing this. Yeah, well, so so my mom would always tell me, like I would say something like, "Mom, everyone else at school gets an allowance. Why don't I get an allowance?" And she said, "Well, honey, <laughs> you know, like money's not free here." But but she didn't stop there, right? Most parents would just say, "No, no allowance." But here's the genius, I think, in what my mom did. It's why she's just an amazing mentor. And I love her very much. She would say, Nathan, go look around the house and find a task that you think I would pay you for and come back and let's negotiate. Wow. I love it. Right? So it That's wasn't just great. no, like no allowance. It was now go look around. So it's How old funny. You? How old were you? Oh, I would say early teens, call it 14, 13. Yeah. So I'll never forget this. I thought I was so smart. I was a brat back then, but I thought I was so smart. What I did, David. What do you mean back then? Well, (laughs) well, yeah, you know, some people people say now too, but I'll tell you what I did is I said, okay, let me watch my mom and where she spends her time when she's not working. And so like I realized she mowed the grass for four hours every, you know, every other Sunday during the summers. And like, well, I wonder what this is worth to her. So I actually snuck into her home office in the trash can and looked at like old invoices. So I knew that she was. You're kidding uh, me. I knew she was charging clients 150 bucks an hour for her consulting work. What? So I'm like, well, four hours of mowing times 150 is 600 bucks. So I'm going to be cool. I'm going to go tell my mom, mom, if you pay me 599 bucks to mow the lawn, it saves you the time from having to do it. You get to stay in the air conditioning. And I know you can just make that money anyway doing consulting. And uh, she, she found that to be very hysterical. She never paid me that much, but you get where you, you <laughs> where the lessons are being built, right? Time value of sure. money, negotiation, finding an opportunity, all those hustling. Things. Yep, right, hundred percent. That's amazing. Now, in February of this year, your podcast reached one million downloads. Can you take us back to that moment? What was your reaction? How did you celebrate? Well, can you? I mean, your your show's obviously good I, as well. Can you believe that? I mean, no, I'm seriously. I'm, I'm I, when I when I saw that, I was like, holy crap! Well, something something is happening. You know, Daniel, something is happening. I can't, you know, it's not about me either. I mean, this is a movement. People are calling in. They're saying, Nathan, I love this show, just like what you were doing earlier. And I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it, to be honest, Daniel. I was just being greedy when I launched the show. I just, <laughs> I just wanted a quick way to get to people's numbers, right? So, like, right. If, if there was nobody listening, I'd still do the podcast because I'm learning about people's business models very fast. But what happened was day one, you know, a thousand people tuned in. 
right? You know, month two, we hit 60,000 downloads. And I'm going, what is, what is, what is happening here? What's going on? And, uh, you know, I'm in the mountains of Southwest Virginia. Okay. This isn't like New York or LA or any media capital, but yeah, it grew very fast. I took those numbers, Daniel, and I wasn't sure. I'm going, is this like a big deal or what? And I took them and showed them to some of the top podcasters out there. I said, have you, have you seen a show grow like this before in business? And they say, Nathan, we've never seen a show get this many downloads this fast, including their own. You know, these are top you know, one, two, three, four business shows. So yes, something's happening. I think it just comes down to the fact that I have built a product, the show that I love. And when you do that, whether you're starting a software company or podcast, you always win. You always win because you're building it for yourself. Right. And I, and I, and I can see that because the way you ask questions on your podcast, you're really trying to, to, to get out information that your listeners can gain from. Yeah, but more importantly that I can gain from, to be quite honest with you, but my listeners happen to be able to have an ear right into that conversation via the show. Very, very like you're cool. gonna you're gonna hear an episode coming up where I actually make an acquisition offer live. I mean, like they're giving me the numbers live, and I'm going. Oh, oh I, I like this business. I actually make an offer live. So cool. It's a, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I'm a lot of the new business deals that I'm doing now are are happening because of the podcast. Wow. Now you sold seventy thousand dollars worth of Facebook campaigns from your dorm room. You mentioned that before, uh-huh. but just for the sake of our listeners, can you take us back to the dorm room? Like, take us back there and. Really take us through what you did to get to that $70,000, the first $70,000. Yeah, well, listen, the dorm room is about 12 foot by, by, by 10 foot, white painted cinder blocks stacked on top of each other. You know, my, my desk was under my bunk bed, uh, very uncomfortable chair. And the first night when I made that first sale, what I did was I searched executive in Facebook search, which any of your listeners could do now. And my thinking was if I could find someone that called themselves an executive, they likely have a very large ego. And if I can attack their ego and make them feel insecure and then make them feel like my product can fix that insecurity, right? Mm. So create the demand, right? Then fill the demand with your solution. I had a sense that it might work really well. Now, it didn't work the first time, but on my about ninth or 10th call, I called a lady named Carrie Wilkerson, who's called the Barefoot Executive. That's how I found her. Yeah, she's your mentor, right? Yeah, well, yeah, she's, well, I wouldn't say we we don't talk frequently enough. I'd say to say that anymore, but but she was definitely taught me and coached me and brought me a lot of business early on. I found her phone number in the about section on her Facebook page. Called her and basically said, "Hey, Carrie, are, are you really an executive?" I mean, that was like my first question. I mean, talk about <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Yeah, I mean, talk about like she's like pissed off at me. But that's <laughs> actually very valuable. I mean, this is a lesson that your audience can take. Anytime you meet somebody new, the quickest way to figure out what's going on and figure out the nature behind the other person is to actually shock the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Literally drop an atomic bomb. I mean... You know, it's interesting you say that, uh, Nathan, because I was recently, I was in California. My wife's from California. I was in California visiting and my wife's sister got married. And so we were introduced to a whole new family. And I'm the kind of person that I used to jump on tables in school and I was a naughty kid and I have a little bit of chutzpah, as they say in the, in the, you know, in the world, right? And so, like, I'll meet someone and I don't know if you can relate to this and I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this. When someone's got a lot of money, when someone's very wealthy, I feel like I need to bring them down. Like, I need to just break them a little bit. I don't know where it comes from, but like, I feel like I need to make a joke at their expense or, or say something that's very, like, blunt to them to make them to sort of bring them down a level like oh you know what you also take a shit you know like I don't know where it comes from, but but one of the members of the family like noticed me being 
like that, you know, towards people I was meeting. And she's like, you know, Daniel, you have a great personality. I really like you. But there's one thing that you, you just need to know about yourself that I think you should change. And that is that when you when you meet people for the first time, you have to just sort of, you know, not be so, I don't even remember the word she used, but it's, it's just bringing that memory back the way you're, the way you're saying that you called up and, she, and said, are you really an executive? It's a, there's a shock factor. And the truth is, is that two things could have happened. She could have hung up the phone. Okay, fine. Then you call the next person. But she didn't. She listened because, whoa, who is this guy? Well, and this, is, this comes back to something that's actually psychological about humans. When they feel like another human is upset with them or doesn't like them or doesn't approve of them, they want to invest more in that to try and convince the other person to like them, right? Because nobody likes someone hating them. Right. right? So like, you're going to see, I mean, this, you're going to see this, I, I guarantee it, with Donald Trump and Megyn Kelly. It's going to be, the, right. there will be, I guarantee it, an interview that Trump strategically has where him and Megyn Kelly are doing it, right? It might be the final coffin if he gets the nomination and he's going against Hillary Clinton. Maybe he, he does this at a very strategic time before, before a key vote or something. But he right. will use the conflict his, he's created. Well, if you look at any story, you create the conflict, it reaches a climax, and then what has to happen? The resolution, right? Mm. So he is waiting to use that happy dart, that leverage of the resolution whenever he wants. Because I guarantee you, if he calls up Megyn Kelly and says, let's do an interview, Megyn Kelly is going to say yes. So my point is, is by sometimes by attacking others, okay? And I don't, I don't, by the way, I'm not approving or disapproving of Trump's tactics. I mean, just hitting their ego a little bit or making them feel a little insecure. Try and find something, by the way, that's truthful as well, that you actually believe, right? That's, that's critical. It actually is a big advantage. People respect you for it. You speak your mind, you're direct, they respect you for it. I think it's also just being real. Like I, I find that a lot of celebrities and, and, and high profile figures, like they're so used to people going, oh, hi. but the minute someone comes along and just treats them like a freaking human being, they're like, oh, hi. Yeah, this, you know, like, this is so true. I mean, I, I use this strategy. I went to the Oscars several months ago and I'm going, how can this guy from Southwest Virginia, in the mountains of Southwest Virginia, with no Hollywood experience and only software, uh -huh. stand out and be memorable in a situation like the Oscars. Now, I'm right. competing with like Elton John's on my left, Mariah Carey's <laughs> on my right, Kate Gene Simmons is in front of me, Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots, is in front of them. Wow. Right? I mean, these are like big, big people. So what I would always do, and this always worked for me in that situation, is you have to, you have to become like the little cute little puppy that these celebrities want to scoop up and pet, right? So <laughs> the way you do that is when you walk up, and I did this to Tina Fey. Now, obviously, I know who Tina Fey is, but I walk up and I say, hey, I'm Nathan, what's your name? Mm. Well, first she's going, wait a second. Usually the first words in someone's mouth is, oh my God, you're Tina Fey, can I take a selfie? Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's going, oh, hey, like, I'm Tina. Doo -doo. I'm like, oh, Tina, what do you do? Right? That's a, oh, that's, no. You didn't. It's like another shock, right? Like, <laughs> what? Well, you, don't know, you don't know what I do? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I do the hell. <laughs> and what I will do is gauged on their reaction, I will do one of two things. If when I ask that the other party looks offended, I will head and I will say, oh, you have to forgive me. I just sold my software company in a small town in Southwest Virginia for a lot of money. I know nothing about Hollywood. Can you help? So what do I do by nice. saying that? One, I build yeah. my credibility, right? Listen, I just sold a company like I have some credibility. But two, I know nothing about Hollywood. And three, can you help me, right? Can you pet right. the puppy? And the second they bring nice. you up in their arm and they start petting you, that's when you've won. <laughs> that's when you get the phone right. number. That's when you connect. That's when the relationship starts going. Very cool. At the age of 22, you used webinars to sell $4.5 million worth of products. That's a there lot of lot money, of, isn't it? That's a lot of money, it's Daniel. Freaking, it's a freaking hell of a lot of money. And, and there are a lot of people on listening to this going, oh, but we've tried doing webinars and there's people doing webinars and not making any money. So I'm going to borrow a line from you, Nathan. 
that you like to use. Own it. Can you walk me through your process from picking the product to getting people to sign up to the webinar and then getting people to buy? Yep. So I'm going to do, to make this more valuable for your audience, I'm going to ignore the product. Okay. I'm going to, we could be selling a pile of shit on the webinar. These same, <laughs> these same things apply. Okay. Love it. Number one, you have to get people to attend. Okay. Let's go down two tracks here. You either have money to spend on marketing to fill the webinar or you don't. Okay. I like not having to spend money to fill a webinar. So I will, what I will do is I will email. What I'll do is I'll go to my competitors' fan pages, or sorry, their, their websites. I will use a tool called Alexa, which is free. Any of your listeners can use. And Alexa will show me the top 10 sites that inbound link to my competitors' websites. I will call up the owners of those websites and say, hey, I saw you promoted competitor X, right? I would love to feature you to our audience live, right? We typically get 100 people live, right? Because I have an email list that I built up from content marketing on my blog, right? right? So what I will do is I will then lever that audience. So let's say someone's listening right now only has 1,000 people on their list or 100. Okay. What you want to do is get a 10 to time, 10x return on that. So you'll want to get 10 other people to commit to marketing your webinar, right, to their audience. And then tell them, I will email your website, right, out to my list. But you're only going to send one email with 10 links in it. Versus the other people, they're going to send one email with just your webinar link in it to their list. Right. Right. So that's a 10 to 1 leverage based on your community. And you start leveraging that and it becomes a snowball effect. So that's how you get other people to fill up your webinar. Right. Interesting. Appeal to their ego, put their title in the headline, put their face on the landing page, do whatever you have to do to get them to invite their audience. Right. Very cool. After that, once they're so, yeah, sorry. Did you want to ask a question there, Daniel? That's how you get more people. No, that, that's no, that's a great tactic. Okay. Once you get people live. Let me just tell you guys, webinars are the most boring thing you can possibly <laughs> imagine. Okay. Have you ever sat on like a Salesforce webinar? These are people that like hate their job and they like <laughs> phone and they put you to sleep and they just want you to basically kind of slide number 400. Oh my God. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So what do we all do? We minimize. First thing you do is you, you actually stop minimize. hearing what they're saying. Like their voice is so monotonous, you actually start blocking them out. And then you're going, oh, this is boring. Then what do you do? You minimize the screen, right? Right. Then what do you do? Well, you pop open your email. (laughs) Exactly, Facebook. So you have to strategically beat all those obstacles. So for me, every 10 minutes during during a, a webinar, I have to break my voice because my voice will become the normal and people will ignore it if I don't break it up. Right, right. That's why Snapchat is doing what it's doing. Exactly, exactly. Now, you can break up your voice a few different ways. The first is you can just do this. Like everyone listening to the podcast there, they they thought they just lost the signal. And they opened up the podcast (laughs) and said, wait, did I I lose Nathan and Daniel? Right? So you can just be silent. That's a great way, right, to to get people's attention again. The second is you can have a co-host like what we kind of have here, right? So they talk. The third is you can just play a YouTube video embedded in a slide, right? So it's somebody else. Okay, so that, those are some of the audio tactics you can use to make sure people are listening to you. Now, listening is one thing. You want them to be looking. The best way is to keep people looking is, again, once every about five minutes, say something like, hey, can you guys read the black text where my mouse is right now? Mm. Do you see this really important headline that will teach you how to capture a thousand emails overnight? Can you read that to right. yourself real quick? Right. right. Boom. Everyone maximizes their screen that has minimized it. Kind of reminds me of when I was in school and like, you know, I zoned out, which was a lot of the time. And then suddenly you hear your name. Mm-hmm. Nathan. 
Nathan. And he's like, oh, yeah, what? It, this is kind of like a call out. It's kind of saying, hey, can you see this? And it's like you is, is oh, he's talking to me. Yep. But we're so egotistical. He's not freaking talking to you. There's a thousand people on the webinar, but we all think you means me, you know? So totally. very interesting. Well, and you can very call them out. Too. I mean, we all, I always have big, big lines of people trying to get in the webinar. So I use that to my advantage. I will say things like, folks, listen. There are people right now that are tweeting me. They're begging to get in. They don't know what's happening. They think the webinar is crashing. It's because we're full. It's a packed right. room. All of you guys are standing. So listen, if you have my screen minimized right now, I want you to get the hell off the webinar because other <laughs> people need to get in, right, that really want to consume this content. And that does two things. It showcases, wow, this thing's in demand because it is. And two, get their attention back. Mm. So you, I mean, you, you made four, you did 4.5 million, but that was four years ago. Do you think that webinars are still working? Can you still be making that kind of money in today's world? Well, well, just to be clear, this is way more about psychology than it is about using how to use GoToWebinar, right? right? This is, this is, these are tactics I use when I'm live on stage, right? Right. Do the same thing, right? This is, this, these are just live presentation tactics that make sure people are hearing every word you say, are looking at every flinch you make and watching your sides, and again, are actively involving it because you're, and then you're priming them obviously to buy your product if you have something to sell. So these are not just webinars. You could use this on Blab, Facebook Live. You'll be able to use it in virtual reality, live keynotes, Snapchat, whatever it is you use it. Right. Podcasts. Podcasts, exactly. <laughs> now, there's so much noise on social media with people spamming and basically throwing up all over the place. What, what platforms do you use and how do you stand out from all the crap that's out there? Yeah, really good question. And Daniel, this is actually one I do not have a good answer for yet, but I will tell you what I'm testing because I'm always testing. Um, okay. I'm doubling down on what I am naturally good at. So I am, I would say, probably top in the world in terms of 26-year-old presenting live. I would say top 26-year-old probably in the world. I mean, so I'm doubling down on that. Anytime that I can be live, right, whether right now it's the podcast, but live anywhere, I'm in. So Facebook Live. Snapchat, Periscope, Blab, right? Anywhere, you know, you know, blog talk radio, anywhere I'm live, I'm doubling down on. And, you know, a lot of time, well, first things first, on social, you have to obviously have great content, but that's not enough. It, see, there's, that's not enough. You know, stick, put, putting out four Instagram images over like, you know, four months and going, oh my gosh, why don't I, am I not making a million bucks for my <laughs> social? Well, it takes fucking time. Like, sorry to sweep that out, but it takes time, right? Like, it's, you have to have patience, right? And hustle. So you have to have great content, but it's way, what's way more important is understanding the open hooks that will keep your audience addicted to your content. So an example of that is on Facebook Live. The first five seconds of every video, I do something very simple. I lean into the camera. I turn my head to the side. I put my hand to my ear. Why do I do that? Well, because the majority of the listeners are rapidly scrolling through their Facebook newsfeed. They see me. It autoplays. I have them their attention for maybe two or three seconds. I need them to turn their sound on so I can use my voice as a weapon to bring them in. Right? Right. I'm handicapped if it's only autoplay. They just see the visual. I have to get them turn sound on. So that's going to be my open hook. There are little things like that you have to build into your content on the bookend to make sure people are taking action. That's very cool. Very cool. Hey, what are you doing? What, what, what would you say is the top 20% of your most productive, productive things that you're doing right now? The podcast. Okay, um, that's one. So, you know, I'm in studio two days a month, right? Knock out 30 episodes in two days. And then I have a team okay. that does the rest. All right, so that's really productive. One of the most productive habits I do every Sunday night is I sit down and I cancel as many meetings as possible in the upcoming week. It helps mm-hmm. me keep my calendar clear. Those are the two big kind of productivity things that I would say I'm doing right now that I feel really good about. 
Okay. So what would you suggest? I mean, people listening to this, if they, I, I'm a big believer in, in stop trying to do everything and just, just pick one or two things and just get really good at it and just keep really consistent at it. What would you think, what would you suggest if they were to pick one or two things, what should they be doing? Well, you know, the best answer I think I can give in this scenario is to talk about something that we've all gone through, which is school. Go, yep. go back and just think about what you would consistently, with almost not even trying, get A pluses in in school. Ignore the F's and the C's and the D's, right? For me, that was math, right? It was just easy. I mean, I just loved it, right? Everyone else was sweating and crapping themselves. I mean, I was loving it, okay? I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> you want it, so my point is that, that gives you an initial indicator of what you're really, really good at. School, by the way, should be people figure out what they're good at and then they forget about everything else because in our age if you have an f in history but an a plus in math you have a chance of being the best in the world at math double down there you know why if you just become vanilla at everything robots are going to replace you Mm. i mean it's the truth robots will replace you have to be so good at something that even a programmer can't build a robot to be as good as you right so mediocre i'm going to tell you what so many humans they're just not going to be needed anymore it's going to be very sad that a lot of people are going to die it's not going to be good but that's why you have to be the best so Focus on what you're really, really good at and double down on that. I know that's so cliche, but go back and think about right. your report cards and start there. But basically become irreplaceable. Exactly. Exactly. What, do you, what would you say you're irreplaceable? Oh, what, what, what makes you irreplaceable? I think I am best in the world at media. I get media and storytelling, I think, better than many, many people. Maybe, maybe all people. I mean, I don't know. People tell me I'm really good at this kind of thing. I'm really Sorry, good at cool. media. So how do I manifest that into revenue? Well, right. I produce shows, right? I have a podcast, right? Well, I'm going to start producing other people on their own podcasts, right? And helping them grow theirs. Maybe I decide to build a network. Maybe I decide to, you know, I'm considering buying up radio stations. I mean, there's a Seriously? path where I could buy every radio station in the U.S. by the end of 2019 because they're getting killed right now by online. Well, I could so buy. Why would you buy them up? Well, I can't that tell be... you why. It's a big, big play, but it's very exciting. But okay. imagine if I if I owned every radio station in the U.S., which, by the way, is very doable and, and very possible. I could then plug okay. in content that I'm producing right via my podcast host into the radio network right so how can you use old media assets with new media thinking mm. right so there's things like that so that the, those are the places i'm doubling down right now software and media cool you taught about how to use Facebook contests to add 10,000 subscribers to your email list in just 48 hours now to me that sounds really unrealistic so i'm going to put you to the test you ready for this yeah hit me okay i want to be your guinea pig so, do you think you can get me 10,000 new subscribers in not 48 hours, but in a month? Uh, well, tell me, what, tell me what kind of subscribers you're looking for. Well, you mentioned to your email list, right? Yeah, but like what kinds of people are you trying to get on your for list? For startups, basically people who are starting up companies. So anyone starting up a company. Yeah, I mean, so a few things there. So one, I am really removed from the Facebook contest stuff now. Uh, what I, that, that headline that I used on that webinar was probably from about three or four years ago. The ecosystem okay. has drastically changed. So it used so to be, you wouldn't. So you're saying you wouldn't recommend people to do Facebook contests right well, now? You I think would, but it's, it's different. Like it's just different. Okay. And I haven't studied it for the past eight months. Remember, I, I sold the business, right? So Votigo.com now owns it. V-O-T-I-G-O.com, and they do a great right. job, and they have a lot of people running contests with them. But you know, contests in general are great ways to build your list. The trick is you have to make sh- the focus that you put on the prize will determine the quality of the people who opt in, right? Mm. So like, if you're just going to give away an iPad, you're going to get yeah. everyone under the sun. If you give away a business book, you're going to get business-minded people. If you give away a social media book, you're going to get social media managers. Right. So like, the trick is, you, like, use, give something away that directly aligns with the kinds of subscribers you want, 
and then incentivize those, you know, the first person that opts in to invite three other people. Right, that's the key, Very cool. and it creates a snowball. Very cool. Two quick questions for you before we before we wrap Make up. It uncomfortable. You, Hit me hard. Who are your biggest influences and why? Oh, oh. Well, listen. he was so ready, and then he went. Oh, it's well, like <laughs> here's why. Got into the ring, here's and why? Poof. I am a big risk mitigator, right? So I hate saying I rely on this one person. It, it gives me the jitters. I'm actually who about relationships. I'm single right now, by the way. I hate relationships, right? I don't really like humans that much because I see it as risk. Like mm-hmm. humans are very difficult to predict. They're ir- most of them are very irrational, right? So you're gonna have a tr- you're gonna have trouble in a marriage there. Yeah, change it up. I will figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'll make Jane the robot or something. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, look, somebody's going to impress the hell out of me. They're going to knock me off my feet, change my whole worldview, and I'm going to fall madly in love. But that's for another. There we go. But my, okay. my point is, is I like to build systems around things. So let me tell you about my systems around people that I really admire. Cause that was your question, right? Yeah. I read, again, a book a day, and I go between strategies. A book a, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. A book a day? Yeah. Yesterday, I told you, was the greatest business decisions of all time. The day before that was a book called Bad Boy uh, featuring Lee Atwater. You read a book a freaking day? I thought I, I read a book a week and I'm like, wow, look at me. I read a whole book a whole week. Yeah. Like, no, where I'll, do you have time? Well, you have to, again, I have a blank calendar. I have a blank calendar, right? So, I mean, that's the answer. It, it's, it's such a big asset. Like, people don't realize this. That's the question. They always go, how do you read so much? How do you have time? And I go, well, honestly, that's why I'm going to continue to be way more successful than most people. Because every little bit of knowledge that I accumulate right now at 26 basically has an 80-year payback period. And you know, you out. say that, Nathan. I want to say something about yeah. that because I was I was going to write a book. No, you know what? I wasn't going to write. I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be called The Self Help Addict. Mm-hmm. And the whole book is about people who read so many self help books, and they read and read and read, and then they go onto webinars, and they go onto these. They go to the fly out to Vegas, and they watch these seminars, and they I don't know. They read blog posts, and all, but they don't actually make any money. They don't do anything with it because they're addicted to the content. They're they're just consumers, and they're not producers. So. You know, what do you say to that? Because, I mean, you're reading a book. You're taking a whole day to read a book and you're getting in all this information. When does the produce? When does the production take place? How do you produce? Well, there's a time to learn and there's a time to earn. Right. I love the people that are stuck in learning mode. You know why? They're never going to compete with me. I'm going to beat them every time. I'm going to beat them really, really bad. Right. So they make they make me look fantastic. Right. So great for them. The fact of the matter is you can buy all the self-help you want. People that don't have a penchant for action are always going to be going to Vegas and the next conference, right? So yep. good for them. Let me focus back on systems I'm building. So I'm reading a book a day. I'm reading about 400 pages a day, okay? and it takes me between three and four hours, right? Wow. But you might be going, well, Nathan, are you actually using the content? Mm-hmm. I actually, so when I study a billionaire, for example, every other day, I will then spend the next day mimicking that billionaire as much as I possibly can. So I read Snowball by Warren Buffett, and it says, he drinks a Pepsi at 9 a.m. every day or Coke. Sorry. He, you know, he eats McDonald's for lunch every day. Right. He reads for eight hours a day. Well, guess what? After I read his bio, I brainwashed myself into thinking I was Warren Buffett right? <laughs> because I'm sitting there drinking the Coke the next day and eating the hamburger. No and way. those physical manifestations of his life are going to tie directly to his business acumen. So I'm going to remember, oh, yeah, compound interest. I'm going to tie that back to a hamburger. I'm going to tie, back, tie that back to that day that I was Warren Buffett. And that's how I take things I'm reading and actually turn it into action and revenue. But if you're reading a book a day, and let's say you're reading a, a book about a billionaire a day, so that means that you're shifting every single day to somebody else. One, one day you're Warren Buffett. The next day, you know, 
your Leowater. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's every yeah. it's every just to be clear, it's every other day. So I read a, a billionaire That's bio true. and then a strategy book, then a billionaire bio, then a strategy book. But yeah, you're exactly right. You never know who you're going to get when you meet me. Do you not get overwhelmed by all the information? Though? I love it. I love it. Okay, very cool. Let's get practical then. What are your favorite tools that you're using right now? Well, you're not because you're too busy reading. Well, your audience <laughs> is going to hate this. You're, yeah. They're really going to hate this answer, but I have Go to on. say it. So when I find myself doing something a lot, I will actually build tools for myself and then intentionally not let anybody else use them because they're a big advantage. So there's this tool that I built for myself. It's called the, wow. it's called the Top Inbox. And it does – I'm not saying what, but it does something in my inbox which drastically – so I get about 90% reply rates when I'm one-on-one -on -one emailing somebody who I want Whoa. to like market my product or come on my podcast or things like that. And so I have a little tool that I built that helps make my inbox just super efficient. So I have a lot of little macros that I've built like that technology into my workflows that help me just become super, super efficient. Why don't you, why don't you build that and sell that? Because then, you can make a lot of money. Too. Yeah, because then I have to – see, this is like I think the difference between people who like teach something versus those who are actually doing it. Teachers typically teach because they don't know what the hell – they don't know how to actually do it, right? They go, oh, real, real estate investing. Oh, great. I should be doing real estate investing, but I don't have money to do it. So let me go teach real estate investing until I make enough money to actually do it, right? right. Like my thing is like it's an advantage for me. Why would I give that advantage to the rest of the world, right? Like I, okay. I, I don't want to make money from the thing. I'm using the tool to make – more money for myself, why would I give it to other people? Now, look, Daniel, maybe if your audience goes like apeshit crazy and they start tweeting me <laughs> and throwing things at me and all this, maybe I, I let a few people use it. But I mean, it's just, it's a much different mindset, I think, than for most people you're going to talk to. I, I, I build assets for myself to get leverage and, and get an unfair advantage. Very cool. Nathan, what's the best way my listeners can get in touch with you? Great. Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm huge on transparency, so I have to eat my own dog food. So one of the things that I, I will do for your audience, okay, Daniel, for specifically for those listening right now, they have to do this right now to get it. They can text the word Nathan to 33444. That's N-A-T-H-A-N to 33444. That'll work even if you're overseas. Really? And I will text them. It'll ask for the, your email when you do that. And I will then send you my 2012 taxes. Right with my with my social security blacked out number. What? That way you will actually see literally how I am actually making money. Right? How was I building wealth at 24 years old? And by the way, it's probably more like hey, look, I hate being. You know, this isn't to brag. It's just to prove this is like how you win. I think people should learn from other people that are winning big. But it, you'll actually see you know, again how I'm making money, and it's probably more money than most people you know would ever think a 24 year old was making. So they can get that by doing that. And if that doesn't work. You can get that sheet also by just going to uh, NathanMicah.com and opting in there. It's one of the first emails that I'll send out to you um, in the sequence. Really very, very cool, Nathan. By the way, why did you pick 2012 and not 20, 2015? Well, because my 2015 ones, uh, they're not done yet. I filed an extension. 2014? 20, uh, I don't know. I haven't done 2014, to be honest with you. 2013? <laughs> I, again, haven't done. I created the piece of content. It's a beautiful, big, big PDF. Uh, I just haven't redone it. Maybe I should. Nathan, you're truly awesome. And it's been, you know what? It's been really great getting to know you better. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.